0: This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Halfway through the NFL season, a lot to get into Thursday night, tomorrow night, right here on 97.3 ESPN. We've got a good one for you. It's Packers and 49ers. Not as good as it could have been with Garoppolo out, Kittle out, but the NFL season is halfway through and we're still on track right now things seem to be moving smoothly hopefully the rest of the NFL season we got a lot to dive into Jay Fitz Jason Fitz from Spain and Fitz seven to nine tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN you can hear them guys every weeknight from seven to nine on 97.3 ESPN we'll get into a bunch of different things we'll start off With the comment that Keyshawn Johnson made this morning on KJZ and get Jason Fitz's thoughts on it, where he said he did not think that Carson Wentz would end his career uh, as an Eagle. And it kind of was an eye opening thing because you draft a guy at number two, he has a year where the team goes to the Super Bowl, and you just assume this is our guy forever. But man, he has been a confusing guy, Jay Fitz, and I wonder. Do you see Carson Wentz being one of those guys uh, that ends up being more head-scratching than a guarantee franchise guy?
1: No, I still think Carson's a franchise quarterback.
0: And uh, Unfortunately, what happens,
1: and you know, we found this last night on Spain and Fitz, so to have a little bit of fun, we put up a bunch of polls over the course of last night. We let people vote on what quarterback they would want to represent their division for the next four years. And the most alarming result, the polls were only up for 10 minutes, so it was only about 1,000 people voting on each one. The most alarming result, though, was when we got to the AFC North, 66% of voters said that they would rather have Joe Burrow representing their division than Lamar Jackson. And I asked one of our guys, I said, how could you say that? As much as I love Joe Burrow, because I'm all in on Joe Burrow. How could you say that? And one of my guys on the show said, well, Lamar Jackson hasn't beaten anybody. He can't win the big game. Well, what big game has Joe Burrow won? Like somebody educate me on that at the NFL level. The problem is the more film we get on every quarterback, the more we decide that film is reason that that quarterback's not very good. Like, we have to remember there was a period where people tried to apologize for Russell Wilson. Like, he wasn't going to be capable of winning games. Now he's going to be the MVP this year, right? Like, I, I think that we have to understand that there's a little bit of an ebb and flow. This has been a weird year. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz is going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. But what are you going to do? Are you Are going to move off of him at the quarterback so that you can take somebody else in the top five that you think is going to be a better guarantee than Carson Wentz? We've seen him be incredibly successful and in my mind once you've seen that you know a guy can do it if you know a guy can do it yeah. it's
0: up to coaches to replicate it he's been uh very head scratching this year now they did draft a guy in the second round last year i think that adds some intrigue and we've talked a lot about all right the jets they're probably going to get the worst record they draft lawrence and then they trade sam darnold well i've mentioned you know teams like Tampa that have an older quarterback, uh, Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or New Orleans, those teams that have those older veterans that won't be high enough in the draft to draft a new guy, they make a trade like that. If you're the Eagles, do you say, now's the time to try to move them?
1: No, I I don't. There's a couple reasons why. Number one is, again, I believe he can still play, and I believe he's much better than somebody like Sam Darnold. But the other portion of it is his contract. And if you talk to some of the NFL insiders, is very interested, interesting in the way that they prorated the signing bonus. So one thing you got to keep in mind is that if somebody were to sign or to trade for Carson Wentz, not only would they have to take on his contract, they would have to eat a large portion of guaranteed money and bonus money, which is not always the case in these situations. So I think even if the Eagles wanted to move on from Carson Wentz, it'd be very difficult to do that this year with the contract situation around him. But again, I, to me – there's a difference, and Carson Wentz is, is in that conversation uh, that, that is maddening for so many fans. You guys know I'm a Raiders fan. Uh, Derek Carr's become the most polarized, polarizing quarterback I can remember in my lifetime. Raiders fans either love him or absolutely hate him with a passion I've never seen for a quarterback that's pretty good. And unfortunately, having a pretty good quarterback seems to be the worst position fans can be in because suddenly they don't love their guy and they want to move on to somebody new. I, I mean, I still think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts I believe Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold there isn't somebody that's going to be available in that market that I think is better than Carson
2: yeah it definitely would be premature to move on from Wentz but what do you think the issue is is it trying to play hero ball too much well he came out to the media and said he's not going to change that because that's his style do you think it's play calling with Doug Peterson I mean I think Doug Peterson has been worse than Carson Wentz or do you think it has something to do with the talent surrounding him or a combination of all three
1: well, it's a little bit of each. I like. I find it troubling when he comes out and says, "I'm not going to change who I am." But we find that moxie to be something we admire in quarterbacks when it's going well, right? Uh, but then the other side of it is the talent around him. There are some quarterbacks that can make everybody around them better. Just because you're not one of those doesn't mean you're still not a good quarterback. So I'm not sure he's in that category, right? So, but the third part of it is the most under-talked part of it. You guys know being such a an NBA-heavy market and as much as you watch it. When you got a jump shooter that's not shooting well, what do you do? You find the shots that are the best for him, and you get him in rhythm. Like, rhythm is everything to jump shooters. It's also everything to quarterbacks. I'm a little bit surprised that Doug Peterson doesn't just have a group of plays that come back and say, okay, Carson needs to get a little rhythm. He needs to get a little momentum. He needs to get a little hot. Let's feed him the ball the right way and make sure that he gets that. I haven't seen that from Doug Peterson. So I think there's a, a lion's share of blame that also goes to the coaching situation.
2: I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, maybe not making the players around him better. Because that's always the conversation when it comes to quarterbacks. And then I look at what we're working with now, with Greg Ward coming off the practice squad. Last year, when it came to those four games, he had to win at the back end of the season. He had guys out there like Robert Davis. Now we're seeing someone like Travis Fulgham. Is Carson Wentz making these players better, and we just assume that they actually are not practice squad players, or are they really good? I mean, it's hard to really judge, but I question what these receivers are doing now. Is that a product of Wentz playing well when he's playing well, or are they actually good players?
1: I think mean, that Wentz is the type of quarterback that can make an okay receiver look pretty good, but he's not the type of quarterback that can make an okay receiver look like a Hall of Famer. And, you know, again, I'll go back because of my fandom. I'll go to Derek Carr. You know, last year at the end of the year, uh, people forget that Derek Carr was throwing the ball to Zay Jones as his number one wide receiver. Zay Jones does not belong as the number one wide receiver on any team, right? And then you turn around and you look at the success of Patrick Mahomes and you say, but he has Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Well, Sammy Watkins wasn't a, a world beater until he got to Patrick Mahomes. So there's a little bit of a line in the middle of all of it. So I, I think when you look at what Carson's capable of doing, he's, he's a very good quarterback. They can make okay quarterbacks look or okay wide receivers look pretty good but he's not going to turn a guy that's an undrafted person into a world beater he's not going to turn a low level wide receiver into the next uh and
0: uh, the next nfl pro bowler jason fitz from spain and fitz weeknights right here on 97.3 espn 7 to 9 you can listen to him now yesterday we had daryl Morey on and uh you know we asked him are the sixers in a better spot than houston and he kind of uh you know he danced around it a little bit but there's been talk about him being interested in James Harden. So, if you're Daryl Morey and you walk into Philly, are you considering moving one of your guys for James Harden? Man, if
1: you are, you better know that you got coached with you out of the get-go, right? Like, because what we talked about before that I still think is really true of Philadelphia is you got three celebrity chefs in one kitchen running one restaurant, and if you bring in your guy, then you are essentially stepping all over Elton Brand, wherever he falls in this. So, Uh, I would be surprised to see the move happen anytime soon, frankly. And I'm not sure if you make that move, why it makes you the best team in the East. I mean, that's the one thing too, that is really, I've looked at this and I've talked to a couple of different stations about it as we all try and figure out, you know, Harden goes uh, to Philly and, and what's Houston look like and what's Philly look like. And they both look like pretty good teams that aren't at the top of their conference. And that's where they already are. So is that really a move that suddenly makes you a world beater? I don't think so. So You know, as much as I love the game of Harden, I'm interested to see what the Rockets are going to do with the new staff and a new mindset around Harden. And he may be trade bait at some point in the season. I just don't know why moving Harden to Philadelphia suddenly makes them better than Brooklyn. And everything at this point is going to be about how do you compete with Brooklyn? Who's going to want to go play with Giannis? Sort of how do you separate yourself at the top of the East?
0: All right. Are you a dog guy? Oh,
1: yeah. Massive
0: fanatic. All right. So you got to kind of – interjecting our conversation that we had yesterday and our our listeners got in on. So Brode's over here, has a dog. He walks him every day, and the dog goes to the bathroom on this gentleman's lawn every day. He picks it up, okay? He does a nice thing. He picks it up. The gentleman in a nice manner said, I would like you to not have your dog poop on my lawn anymore. Brode says, to hell with you. That's where my dog goes to the bathroom. I'm going to continue to do it. Whose side are you on, Broads and walking the dog and letting him poop there or the guy who said, please don't do it anymore? Not only is Broads doing the right thing by picking up the poop,
1: which number one is, you know, that, that's not like, – I'll be the first to admit that as somebody that owns large dogs, like my, my largest dog is 150 pounds and he poops larger than I do. So I learned a long time ago, just get a large fenced-in yard so I don't have to pick that up because it's a little bit too real. All right. As somebody that does not love that, I respect the fact that you're picking it up. If the neighbor has a problem with picked up poop, that's on the neighbor. And frankly, I'd send a message by just not picking it up for about a week and then saying, hey, be careful what you wish for. Like I am that like I got a neighbor here in Connecticut that suddenly is starting to rake the leaves and put them over in my lawn because he thinks it's my tree putting them in there. And I'm telling you what I want to do this weekend is blow all my leaves on a tarp and just set them in his front lawn. Like you want a neighborhood battle. We'll battle my man. We will battle. So if you're picking up the poop and he's still got a problem with it, I say next time you poop in his lawn and then say, you didn't say anything about me. Wow.
2: (laughs) Wow. I love this. I'm so stoked right now. See, I was getting ripped. People were
0: texting into the text. The listeners voted 56% that they sided with the owner of the lawn. Yeah, you have no clue. People were questioning my integrity. They were coming after me
2: saying I was a spoiled brat. It's like, look, this is... This is how society works. You have a dog, you walk the dog, it goes to the bathroom, and by the way, it's not right in front of the steps or anywhere near the driveway. It is so far off to the side of the corner where the stop sign is, there's no way that this should interfere with anything that you do, and I'm picking it up, so I am just disgusted with the with the actual homeowner.
1: You know what I say? You take the next time you pick it up in the little baggie, you staple a brochure on a fence, and you put it at his front door with the bag, and say, "You don't want my poop in your front lawn? Get a dang fence, my man!" Like as long as you're picking it up, you ain't doing
0: anything wrong. If you're not picking it up, you're starting a war. But if you're if you're not, if you're picking it up, you're in the right. I hope to hear Sarah's uh, input on this tonight during Spain and Fitz, seven o'clock, right here on ninety-seven three, ESPN. Jason Fitz, you're a gentleman and a scholar. You guys are the best. Have a great week. All right. He like all guys appeared via the boardwalk Honda hotline. Now I did not know if he's a dog guy or not. He said a huge dog guy.
2: Yeah. Now he went with the philosophy that you don't like and I don't like either. You just let them go in your in your backyard and not pick it up.
0: Yeah, I don't like that. I don't at like all.
2: that either. But he said these are monstrous, monstrous droppings, bigger than his.
0: Jeez. Sports pass brought to you by Matt Kia. They want to get you approved today. Visit Matt Blatt, 6211 Black Horse Bike in Egg Harbor Township. Thanks to Jay Fitz for jumping on board. Coming up, headlines on the way. Jeff Mosher has football at four. John Clayton with his NFL Midseason Awards Plus. We'll look through Dave Weinberg's Eagles midterm. That's at 973ESPN.com. There is more High School Football Friday on 97.3 ESPN. This is Tom Williams. Mike Gill and Steve Parker will have all the play-by-play when undefeated Holy Spirit, ranked number 3 in South Jersey, travels to Father LaRosa Field to take on number 7 St. Augustine Prep in the Calvi Electric Game of the Week. Can the Prep defense control Spirit's Patrick Smith? Mike and Steve will let you know starting Friday at 6 when Holy Spirit faces St. Augustine you're on 97.3. ESPN. Yeah. Sports Batch is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Find out what Rocket Mortgage can do for you at Mike Gill Show. Follow me on Twitter at Bros81. So I want to get into uh, Dave Weinberg's got his midseason report card over at 97.3ESPN.com. Dave will join Josh tonight during game night to kind of go through this, but. His mid-season grades, he goes through them all. Quarterback, running backs, wide outs, offensive line, D-line, linebacker, secondary, special teams, coaching. And he gives out a couple awards. MVP, offense, defense, and special teams. So, quarterback, what grade do you give Wentz? I said D-plus
2: when we were talking about it a little bit earlier in the show.
0: Yeah, I'm in that range. C-minus, D-plus. I'll go C-minus. He gave him a
2: Which is kinda of crazy that I'm a my grade was a D plus where I feel throughout these first eight games you've been a lot harder on him than I have. And I gave him a harsher grade. Kinda of funny how that worked out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he has been like benchable. I mean, there was a moment where benchable. I, like
2: it was I'm not gonna say I thought to the point where like they were going to do it, but that was the first time in my Carson Wentz career, if you will, where I was like, damn. They might need to do something. Like, I never had that ever pop up into my brain until that fourth-third turnover in the last game. It was a shock to my body where I was thinking,
0: wow, you might need to send a message. And I've never had that yet. I mean, I could go D. I'm going C-minus. I mean, he played... He's had some spurts. He's made some big throws that have kind of saved some things. I know they're against like the Giants, which is a bad team. I thought he played well.
2: Are they though? I, th- th- bad. Yeah. Yes, one in seven says they're th- bad. You're right. But com- <laughs> competitive wise though, it's not like these teams, like they went up against Tom Brady the other night on Monday
0: night football and they played him hard. Like they play tough. Yeah. They're, they're scrappy. Yeah. I thought he played well, not oh, like he wasn't horrendous in the 49er game. I mean, he was just kind of like, you know, uh, gritty. Uh, the Cincinnati game, he brought them back. He had that big drive, took them to overtime. I thought he was bad in the Washington game. I thought he was real bad in the Ram game. I thought he was bad for most of the Cincinnati game. I thought he was bad for the most part, and maybe he was worse than I'm giving him credit for. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he was. A D.
2: The Rams game, though, the defense stood out to me because they just got absolutely schemed to death when it came to what Sean McVay did to Jim Schwartz. So that Rams game just fell at least to me at the time, really on the defense way more than Wentz. Uh,
0: Running backs, I mean, this is kind of an incomplete almost. Uh, Miles Sanders has been very good when healthy. He gave the group a C. I'd probably do that too. Uh, Boston Scott has been pretty good in the Giant game. He was good last week. I don't think they've used the running backs well enough. You're seeing Miles Sanders, though,
2: more than he ever has in his career, get that breakaway run. A couple times now, 70-yarder, 70-plus yarder. Like He's starting to get that breakout that we were expecting. It's a shame that he's not available.
0: And you're hoping to get him back next week against the Giants. Uh, Dave gave him a C. Wide receiver, tight end. He gave him a C minus this unit, saved by Travis Fulgham for the most part. If Travis Fulgham wasn't in the mix, where would you put this? I mean, he gave him a C minus. Do you
2: agree with the C minus? Let's start there. As a
0: group of tight ends and wide receivers. The tight ends have been average. I mean, Goddard had a really good game against Washington. Wentz has been, I mean, Ertz has been pretty bad. Really bad. Rodgers had one good game. So the tight ends have been average. The receivers, I mean... I don't think they've been, like, horrendous. Uh, They're not, they're not, see, I think minus is fair. Okay. See, with the tight ends, I'm thinking, they've been average. Okay, but if all of those played in five games now, it's not
2: like he's played two. I agree. But with the tight ends being average, it's just weird because we know how heavy they use the tight ends. So, based off of knowing how Doug Peterson likes 12 personnel and likes using Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, like, it's crazy. Well, we've had
0: this discussion before. I think he only uses the 12 personnel because that's the personnel that he has. Right. If he doesn't have the two tight ends, he's not going to use. And we're seeing that now. He's not using 12 personnel. He doesn't have two tight ends.
2: Right. No, I know that. But I'm just saying, based off of how they have naturally used the 12 personnel over the last couple of seasons, and when he does have Ertz and Goddard available and two tight ends available, average, is that enough? I mean, the answer, I feel, is no, based off of knowing how heavy they normally use them as targets.
0: I guess, I mean, if you're judging that based on the usage, but the usage is they're not using the tight ends because he doesn't have tight ends to use. So, they're kind of out of the offense right now. You know what I mean? Based off of injuries, yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, out so it's offense. not like he says, I love using two, pers- two tight ends, so I'm going to stick any two tight ends in there. He's like, I don't have them, so I'm not going to use them. Well, I just look at last game specifically because it's freshest
2: in my mind. You know, 84% of the snaps for Dallas Goddard, and and he got the one reception. It said only one target, but it was probably two because Wentz was so out of range with the throw, it almost wasn't even a target. But that's crazy to me. Like, whose fault is that? Is that a game plan problem that Dallas Goddard's coming back 84% of the snaps and and he gets one reception? That is bonkers.
0: Don't know if he was in as a decoy because he just wasn't 100% healthy. Not sure. I mean... I don't know, do you blame Wentz for that? I mean, Wentz, the first game that Goddard played, he had a huge game. Over 100 yards. And out-targeted basically everybody on the roster. He had nine targets for 100 yards in that game. He had eight targets the next week, so he had 17 targets in two games. Last week he had... They're saying one. One. One target. See, to me, there's
2: a problem there. and I. The problem is I don't know. I don't know if that is a Doug Peterson problem or if that's a Carson Wentz problem, but knowing that Carson Wentz goes to the tight end as a safety blanket majority of the time, is he just not available in some of the play calls that Doug Peterson's throwing
0: out there? Dave gave the offensive line a D plus. Um, Probably fair. It's fair because of, like, do they get graded
2: on a curve? Because of... You're throwing in her big. You're throwing in guys who you shouldn't oh, I, really be relying on. I based guess the off injury problems injury.
0: and the lack of consistency, but what they've had has not been. I mean, D-plus, based on who they had, maybe you could say they've been a C based on, hey, all the changes and you got a lot of undrafted guys out there and seventh rounders and late rounders that they've given you a decent effort, but D-plus I'm okay with. I'm probably leaning more towards the seaside, just because I
2: am going to grade them on a curve considering I can't hold Nate Herbig to the same level that I would Isaac Sayamalu or any of that. Like Jordan Mailata playing left tackle. I can't compare him to Jason Peters in his prime because the guy's never played football before. So based off the fact that every week you have a new front, they've done pretty damn solid, I would say, for that being the circumstance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... It's hand-in-hand with some of the reasons why Wentz has been what we've seen this year. That's true. I think he is uh, well—he's a little skittish back there, let's say. I'll go C. I like C as a great— All right, uh, defensive line. He goes B. You got Brandon Graham. You got Sweat. Barnett's had some moments. Fletcher Cox, I think, has been very good at times. Not as consistent as he's been in the past. Uh, Hargrave hasn't given you as much as you hoped. Malik Jackson was very good. Malik Jackson was very good. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's the one that—
2: surprised me the most i mean brandon graham of course but you know like malik jackson i didn't know what to expect out of him some of these other guys we've seen them play we know what they're good at malik jackson got hurt when he first got here you didn't really know too much about how he would really be able to rock and roll next to fletcher and all and you know i thought he did really solid when he was out there i think b is a is a good grade for now that. he
0: gave the linebackers a c interesting what would it be if nate gary wasn't on here <laughs> um That's a good question. I mean, Gary almost brought it down to an A. He he would individually get a D himself. Um, I would probably go C minus C. I mean, they were so bad for a couple of games. But, I mean, if you really look at it, they haven't been bad the last three games or so. We haven't talked, but Gary hasn't played as much. And that's a huge factor. So,
2: I think that C... It's so weird. I mean, at one point, Nate Gary is what targeted twenty four times eight games.
0: Gary, we're talking about, has really had two or three really bad games. Disgusting. But five man. other games, he wasn't that much of a factor in. If you look at like, if you look at it from that perspective, yeah, I just wonder if this is
2: also going with a curve as well, based off of what were your expectations for Singleton? What were your expectations
0: for T.J. Edwards?
2: Oh, it wasn't as bad as maybe I thought. Let's go with the C. Have they been average? Have the linebackers been average? The last three games average? they've been
0: average. I thought actually Edwards and Singleton played pretty well last game. I
2: agree with that. I did think that they, they had a good game, and T.J. Edwards I
0: thought had a phenomenal game. And Edwards missed a couple games because he was hurt. And the game that he did get hurt, he actually made a couple stops that raised my eyebrows and before Singleton he Singleton came in and played in the San Francisco game. I thought Singleton played really well. He had the interception, but I thought he made a couple of tackles in that game that really stood out. So the only reason why it's a C is because of Gary. Edwards and Singleton. Yeah, because yeah, no, the only reason it's a C. Because if C- Geary didn't play to start the years and those two guys started, they may have been maybe a C-plus or a B. Right. I'm thinking it would be an F without
2: Singleton or, or Edwards. You know what I mean? I'm going <laughs> the other way with it.
0: Uh, the secondary, he gave a C-minus to. He says only Houston and Green Bay have fewer interceptions this year. Uh, now, he says Slay has been inconsistent. I don't know, man. If you look at Slay's opponents and what the yardage they've put up against him, No one, I think, has been over 50 yards. I mean, he has done his job. Yes, Darius Slay has done his job. It's funny you bring that up,
2: though, because I was having a back and forth with one of my friends about Darius Slay because he's a little underwhelmed with him. And I'm thinking, look, I don't think he's a corner that people shy away from. That's not the corner where it's like, we can't go to that side. People will target his side, but, uh, but he's still a very effective corner, even if he's not the scary corner that you need to
0: be away from. You know what I mean? Like he's a he's a very good corner. He's not an elite corner. I mean, I, I saw this last night. Somebody tweeted out the yards against him this year. I don't think I don't think a receiver or a team has gone over fifty yards at him. Do you look at Darius Slay and say elite? Though no, I mean, that's like uh, there's a handful of guys, right? Brandy, exactly, maybe uh, five, three, four guys. But he's I think Pro he's bowl. very good. Yeah, no doubt. Pro Bowl, very good
2: corner. But quarterbacks aren't afraid of him. I don't think he's. Well, that I think type you're of looking corner. at the
0: one game against Pittsburgh. Well, that is other one than game. that game. The other seven. Give me a time where they're like, "I'm going after this guy." No, it hasn't happened. No,
2: but no one like. T- but if you have a good corner, it's not about targeting him over and over and over and over again, but being afraid of going after a guy and then going to a side. What a other times team is going after him? But that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying no one says I'm going to like legitimately, insanely target.
0: No, but who else? Leg. What other game has he been like? Oh man, he wasn't what I thought. No, th- that's that's not my point. My point is quarterbacks don't just
2: like they let's say they go after his side three times or so he that's three times compared to a corner where some teams just legitimately would stay away fully and go we're not even going to even attempt it let's say a quarterback goes three times that way in a full game like they're not afraid to the point of like legitimately canceling that side out of the field it's not so much hey our game plan is let's target Darius it could just be a standard catch Nothing crazy, nothing where Slay's getting waxed
0: on double moves, but it could just be a nice play design that
2: allows him to get open based off the cover.
0: Here are the yards, by the way. This year, McLaurin against Slay, 28 yards. Cooper Cup, 18. Um, Wood, Cooper Cup and Woods, 18. Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, 31. Kittle, Debo Samuel, 21. Juju and Claypool, 37. Marquise Brown had 47 yards against him. That's the best game all year. Slayton and Shepard, 25. I mean, it's hard to ask That's for much more. That's what I'm saying. Very more. good. Yeah. Very, very good. That's he, yeah. Extremely good. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So I mean, Slayton Slay himself, the rest of the group has been in and out of the lineup all season long. He gave them a C minus. I don't think they've been that bad, considering how many times this year have they got beat, other than the Claypool game on the double move, the X plays. I mean, they constantly were getting beat on deep balls in years past. How many times has that happened this year? That is something they definitely improved on, was the double moves, Jalen Mills getting worked, getting waxed
2: off the standard double move. You look, It looks like Darby. he's just frozen. Yeah, exactly. They've definitely done a better job with that. I wonder if he's just factoring in. Like, this is all of the secondary, right? So, next to Roddy McLeod, what did yep. you have when Jalen Mills early in the season was playing that safety spot before Will Parks came back and – Avante Maddox. Look, you had a whole entire time where you didn't really have an outside linebacker, where I'm sorry, uh, outside cornerback, where Roby
0: Coleman was playing outside cornerback. So I mean, yeah, that that position has struggled. The second guy opposite of Slay, the corner nickel corner guy, has struggled struggled a little bit, but they have not given up those big, deep balls other than the game against Pittsburgh where they got beat a couple of times. I mean, that was one game that really stands out. Alright, let's go to uh, special teams. I mean, he gave them a C. He said Elliott not automatic anymore. The punter has been their best defensive weapon. I mean, overall, we talked about the kicking situation. Elliott missed the 29-yarder. Can't do it. Hasn't hit the 50 as frequently as some people would like. He's 8 of 12. Hit Three of his misses are from 50 yards. He just, you know, if he makes... 50% of his 50-yarders were probably looking at him differently. The 20, the 29-yarder stands out. And I think it's also because when he came in, he was drilling
2: them at a more consistent level. Yeah, we so, got spoiled. Yeah, you, you anticipated that this would be who he was
0: forever, and it's starting to uh, you know go the other way. Uh, coaching, he gave him a D. I think that uh, I don't have a big problem. I think Peterson's had a rough year. It could be worse than a D, if you ask me.
2: I, I you know, three, four, and one, could they be an F? Hmm.
0: Sure, they're average. I mean, 3-4-1 is essentially 4-4. Four four. Uh,
2: are they average? or Because they're beating teams that are so horrendous to a historic level True. just because they beat them. I don't know if that necessarily means the Eagles are average. They're below average, but everyone
0: else they're playing yeah, in their division is below average. Yeah, I give them a D. Average. I don't have a problem with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem. I'm just yeah. saying it was that bad at times where I could question maybe an F is in play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's in play. Uh, I'll go D for now. The team hasn't fallen apart. They're not pointing fingers at each other. They haven't become the Cowboys. That's true. I'm glad that that's our level of where we are excited or not, if we're the Cowboys or not. All right. Offensive MVP halfway through the season is? Who do you got? For the offensive side? It's got to be Fulgham. Yep. He got Fulgham. I would agree. I think Fulgham not only has been the MVP, he's been one of the best players in the damn league. I mean, he's been one of the best... Most One of the most productive wide receivers in the league. That's incredible. And when you saw
2: all those uh, video replays and instant replays where he's at the line of scrimmage and he's breaking defenders down and beating them down the sideline, he's got that it factor. It's
0: crazy. It really is. Like, where did this come from? No idea. You're right. He does kind of have this look on his face like, I belong here. Like, this is not ending. I'm going to beat you. That's what he's looking at, the other
2: opponent on the other side. Like, I'm going to destroy you. MVP of the defense.
0: Brandon Graham. Although I think Slay could be in the mix. He gave it to Graham. I have no problem with Graham either. I think Graham has been maybe, and I questioned giving him that deal. I did too. But he's been maybe one of the best, he's had one of the best years that he's ever had. Do you sell him at a high point? Um, I wouldn't be against it. Me neither. No, but um, too late now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's still got years left on his deal. Yeah, I'm just
0: saying, like, I mean, this year, if you thought you were not a contending team right now and you could have got something for him from a team like Seattle who's dying for a pass rusher they went out and got Dunlap now I don't know that they would what what they gave up for Dunlap that you would have taken in return for Graham that's the problem
2: right I just think if he if Brandon Graham continues this and he has this type of season could you sell him at a really high point late in his career you gotta think about it I, I think I would actually do it him and hurts bang let's go let's refresh this thing up
0: we'll ask Jeff Mosher his thoughts on some of these things throwing football at four coming up in 25 minutes from now plus John Clayton next hour with his midseason awards and who are the real Super Bowl contenders the professor John Clayton on the other side it's the headlines what are some of the top sports stories you may have like forgot about them because you know there was like an election last night that's still not settled we got your headlines next as the sports bash live on 97.3 ESPN John Clayton at 430 today Jeff Mosher in 20 minutes talk a little Eagles at the midway point with him Don't forget, coming up on tomorrow's show, Brian Baldinger will join us right here, plus Adam Kaplan on the Sports Pass. Got a great lineup for you for the rest of the week.
2: Can't wait. Always a great time. Just like these headlines, by the way. Yeah, what do we got? All right, so I'm a little surprised, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. I'm a little embarrassed as a baseballsman. The Gold Glove winners were announced last night around 8 Two o'clock. former Phils. Yeah. J.P. Crawford and Cesar Hernandez. But it's not so much, at least for me, about who won. How in the world does baseball decide that that is the right time to
0: list these yeah. individuals? I don't know. I mean, tonight there's nothing on but Mac football. Like, I get it. It's football. But still, you were more afraid of Mac football than you were in the election
2: It's like they're clueless. They have no idea at all. Terrible. That that would be a bad spot. You're telling me not
0: one person was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Terrible. I saw that, you know, Frank posted the story about J.P. Crawford, and I was thinking, really? Like, they gave out Gold Glove Awards last night? You know, like, normally the Bachelorette's on Tuesday. Even they said, you know what, we're going to get off of Tuesday. Now, I was hoping for Wednesday, but they went to Thursday. Okay, I did I'll not know why that. they went to Thursday. What's on Wednesday night that Mac, they could? Mac. Mac football. What is on Wednesday night that they could not put on the same channel? Mac football doesn't air on ABC. I mean, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Maybe they want to. They might want to, they're not getting it. So what is on ABC on Wednesday night that they could not move it to Wednesday and they moved it to Thursday? Because now it's up against Thursday night football. That's a bad move by them. Well, maybe that is a bad move in terms of Thursday, but
2: I mean, I guess they're not really
0: targeting male viewers.
2: There's leftover effect, though, right? Like the day after with this election stuff. It's just going to well, this isn't going to end
0: for a while.
2: Yeah, but it's going to be just as harsh tonight as it was last night. I
0: guess, but I mean, there was no sports on last night, so you figure if you're baseball. You had Wednesday night with, hey, everybody was watching the election. Now, Wednesday, we'll take center stage and get our stuff out there. Bukkus. I don't even think people even care about the Gold Glove winners.
2: Does that even hold power? No, I don't power? care.
0: Could care less. Right. But
2: Cesar Hernandez? Look at that. Are you kidding me? Everyone who leaves Philly goes to Cleveland, whether it's San Carlos Santana, now Car- or now uh, Cesar Hernandez.
0: You got- well, ABC's got the Goldbergs on at eight. American Housewife at 8:30, The Connors at 9, Blackish at 9:30 and The Con at 10.
2: Well, maybe that's why. Now you're screwing up with their standard Wednesday schedule that they don't want to touch.
0: I guess I don't know, like back in the day on NBC, like Thursday night was must-see TV. So maybe this is their Wednesday night where they just could not move, but they moved it to Thursday. I don't know what's on Thursday night that they're saying, "Oh, we got nothing. Just move over here." I'm trying to think how many normal Thursday night football viewers will say,
2: Eh, you know what? I want to watch The Bachelor tonight. Got a
0: decent game, Pack 49
2: That is a good one, although 49ers are extremely banged up. Go with Nick Mullins again, right? No George Kittle. Yeah. So that definitely adds a factor into it. Whatever. What are you going to do? What What would you do?
0: Oh, I'm, uh... You go football? No, Thursday night? Yeah. No. Oh, you're going bachelor. Well, I'll start there. I mean, we'll start at 8 o'clock and then watch, and then at 10, I'll flip over to football. I might have football on the laptop on the side. You know that's what but it's But Tuesday be. nights, usually there's nothing. So that's a perfect night for that show.
2: This is where I am really struggling without football. Um, excuse me, without basketball and hockey. I really am. Last night's another night where I'm sitting there going, damn, I want to see Ben Simmons right now. Yeah. I want to see
0: Claude Jury. I'm not really missing it all that much yet. I mean, it just ended. Baseball just ended. It's like, okay. But I mean look there it's kind of like a reprieve it's like when the covid stuff and everything shut down it was nice i got into some shows that i not normally would have got into like you know i watched a designated survivor and i watched homeland like i got a chance to watch shows that i don't have time for otherwise so I like not having something every night filling up my schedule it's only the Tuesdays and Wednesdays that's screwing me up I'm
2: okay with the other days but, yeah, but Tuesday, I like not Wednesday. having the
0: Tuesday Wednesday give me look like a little bit of freedom
2: two days in a row though oh that hurts me all right well since we brought up basketball in the 76ers the Pelicans threw out the name Drew Holiday in terms of maybe a trade would you be interested in Drew Holiday with the return um I like Drew I think he's underrated
0: not giving up a lot to get him though I don't think he's changing the team.
2: But could you imagine a ball handler like Drew Holiday playing with Ben Simmons, and then you have Drew, Ben, and Joel? He's
0: good. Um, I don't know that he's a difference-making player, though. Not a great three-point shooter. You know. What? He's just an average three-point shooter. He's not great. I mean, he's a decent score. He scored 19 a game last year, so he can score a little bit, but he's—he, I don't know if he's exactly the kind of guy they need. I mean, Harden's not a great three-point shooter either, but he scores 30. He's not a great point shooter. He scores 19. There's a difference. Yeah, but he's more
2: facilitating. You know, he's got a different mindset.
0: I don't need a facilitator. I got the greatest facilitator in the
2: world. He doesn't want to shoot at all. Well, I think that, that adds value, though. Like, you, we always talk about getting somebody. We tried it with Shake Milton last year. I mean, this is a huge upgrade from that. You need a guy next to Ben who
0: can be the slower-paced and ball if handler. If I could get him for something like average I don't want to give up something what am I giving up to get him I mean am I giving up well a- what if you have to unload one of the two contracts Tobias or well, Al Horford do that right sure okay. that's yeah. what I
2: think you're gonna do
0: I don't think it's gonna be Ben or Joel
2: for Drew of course
0: right. no I I'm, I'm I guess my mindset what is about
2: Matisse if Matisse was in the deal for someone like Drew would you be willing to part ways with Matisse
0: yeah I don't mind part with Matisse I think those guys come up in the draft Defensive guys I agree I heard Keith Pompey talking about Matisse Thibault and he actually thinks that he's going to be so
2: special where he'd be questioning maybe getting rid of him like he maybe. thinks there's a lot of value in what he can
0: maybe provide at well, one point if he shoots 35 percent I'm not asking to be great like Drew Holiday's 35 percent so if he shoots 35 percent and plays defense like that now I find some value in him if he's not hitting the three with any consistency I mean if he's 30 percent 28 percent but he plays really good defense. You're kind of limited on how much minute, how many minutes you can play him.
2: Right. To me, I like Matisse Thibault. I love what he brings to the table. But I feel his ceiling is a hell of a bench player. And I feel that you can find a hell of a bench player in the
0: NBA. Yeah, I mean, Drew Holiday is a nice player. He's like that borderline all-star. Like, I made one all-star game in my life. I mean, he's not an all-star player. He's kind of like, I'm just the next guy out.
2: Upgrade from Josh
0: Richardson, though, no? In that spot, I would say yes. Similar, I mean, a better ball handler. Yes, to play that role, he's better. Better than Richardson for that role. Like, the guy who can take the pressure off of Ben, be that ball handler if you want to play Ben. I don't know what Doc Rivers wants to do with Ben Simmons. you got to put the ball in his hands. Right, so that minimizes Duralin.
2: Yeah, but any, they need to find a guard. They need to find the combo guard to play with Ben, regardless of who it is. They need to find a combo guard. I did not like Josh Richardson with the ball in his hands last year. I was very underwhelmed with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I didn't love him either. I thought it would be a lot better. You know, I remember when the trade happened, and I was saying, "Uh, Josh Richardson, he's okay, and the amount of people I was blown away by this that thought that he was a better three-point shooter than J.J. Redick with elite defense, so you're upgrading tremendously. And I'm like, you guys are whacked. I want what you guys smoke, you know? Come on. Better three-point shooter than J.J. Redick and an elite defender? I mean, come on. Ridiculous.
0: ridiculous, Just
2: absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's like
0: Holiday, though, he's... A very underrated player again he's like that low level not an all-star player but he's right there Yeah, he might sneak in by the voting but he's not
2: really a top all-star guy yeah I
0: just don't know if he's the best fit for this particular team you know he's just not a great and he's not a great shot creator either he's not a guy who puts the ball on the floor takes it to the rack you know he's not that guy either he's just
2: well, if you can unload He's a contract. Scrappy. He's Aaron Rowan. Okay,
0: come on. He's not
2: Aaron Rowan. He's, better. He's got more talent than Aaron Rowan. I would be okay if you moved on from one Aaron of the Rowan contracts. Aaron Rowan made an all-star game. Oh, yeah?
0: Maybe one. <laughs>
2: all right, so the trade deadline went yesterday. Came and went real quick. Not too much action. Are you surprised by the limited amount of moves throughout all of the NFL? It seemed like no one really made that big push for anything.
0: Um, I'm a little surprised because there have been trades the last couple of years. But I think the COVID situation, you know, having to get those guys in the building, they had to sit out, you know, you had to quarantine because you came from a certain state to another state, all that kind of stuff. I think that did play a factor. I almost went the other way with it, though, because you got to think
2: with the NFL draft and college football being so crazy, you don't really know what to expect next year from all these players in the draft and whatnot. I thought people would be willing to give up some draft picks to
0: maybe acquire some talent a good way to look at it. I think though, I think the Eagles were in position to make a trade because they were on a buy, but who was it that said, hey, because of the COVID situation, like getting them in here and all that stuff is kind of a pain. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the last couple of years, the trade. Now, there were some trades before the deadline. That's true. You know, you had Avery Williamson, you had Desmond King. Yeah, I kind of count that in the trade deadline area. So, there were some deadline deals, just not on deadline day. Zach Ertz probably would have been the big one if he was not. Yeah, injured. I think there was a good chance that he probably would have been traded too. Had they, uh, you know, had he not got hurt. But I was a little surprised the Eagles did nothing. But I think the linebacker situation calmed them down a little bit. And I hope that they, when Geary comes back, they say sorry. You've been, you've been usurped from the lineup. I saw some outrage towards Howie. How can you not make a move? I thought not making a move was fine. Come on, the team's three and three, four and one. What move was going to make you change your opinion of this roster, this team? There's no move that they were going to make where
2: I would think they would go from a team that could win a home playoff game to anything more than that. That is their ceiling to me at their very, very best is they find a way to squeak out one home playoff game with a six-win season winning the division. So there's no move that would make me feel that they're going to do anything more than that. So why give up anything?
0: Yeah. There's, I mean... Unless somebody said we were willing to take a player for player, like Alshon Jeffrey, or we would, you know, in the Earth situation, uh, if D-Jack was healthy, something like that. Right. If you're
2: going to be outraged because Alshon Jeffrey wasn't moved, I mean, people don't want him. There's a reason we don't want him.
0: People don't want that contract. Well, I mean, there were teams out there, right, they don't want the contract, but there were teams out there that need wide receiver help, like Green Bay needs some wide receiver help. They've had some injuries there that they probably could have used, you know, a A veteran guy. I wonder if they didn't put him on that pup list because they thought that they'd
2: be able to move him before that. I thought about that
0: actually was maybe that's the reason. Like they wanted to try to trade him, and if he's on the list, he couldn't have been traded. Well, they failed. (laughs) (laughs) They failed. All right, the last one here. I'm just trying to think like Green Bay is the team that keeps coming to mind when I'm like, hey, there's a team out there that could have used some wide receiver help that's like a playoff team. There's a reason why they stayed away though. And maybe it's the contract. Oh, I think the contract was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. The Saints, they've had a lot of injuries on the wide receiving side. They probably think they're a receiving help away from being a Super Bowl team. Maybe Malcolm Jenkins was like, no, no, no. We don't want him.
2: Oh, it's possible. I want to throw this at you, though. There was a 49ers positive test, right? So throughout the NFL, there's been some news here and there about positive tests, and they've been getting around it. To this point, we're halfway through. What are your thoughts about how the NFL
0: has handled this positive test situation from, from the start? I mean, for the most part, look, it's not a perfect situation, but there's been a handful of games moved. There was the one Tuesday game. There was a one game moved on like a, a, earlier on a Monday. Other than that, that's really been it. You had the one game that was supposed to be Sunday night. They moved it up to the afternoon and flip-flopped. It hasn't been like college. I mean, college is losing games left and right. I mean, there's another game canceled. Wisconsin and uh, Purdue, that game's been canceled. College seems like there's games getting canceled, multiple games every week. I think the NFL has done a pretty decent job with it. The only thing that sticks out to me is what happened with
2: Tennessee, and that was similar to like with baseball. You had Miami and St. Louis go through a spurt, but once they got through that spurt, it was minor stuff that popped up. And we were questioning, All throughout the summer, how is this going to work? How are they going to get through it? Besides the Tennessee Titans nightmare, they have figured out a way to kind of cruise through this thing. Now, with college football, it sucks when your biggest star tests positive, and now he's out for another week. Now he won't play against Notre Dame. Yeah, that's a tough one. I thought that they were going to fall last week to Boston College. My buddy went to Boston College. He played uh, college hockey there. He took Boston yeah, College money line, wow. and he's tweeting in the group chat, oh, this is amazing. He took the screenshot. We're like, wow, it's what a nice money payday. I'll, I'll take a look at it. I think it was like plus 900 or wow. something at one point. Yeah, and he, he got it. We were so pumped, and then it slowly
0: It was pretty went away.
2: lopsided for
0: a while there, too. For a while, and then Clemson came back. Yeah, I mean, I saw that, but... Uh... Yeah, it's unfortunate that because they were saying he needed to be out 10 days, and that was 10 days from the day that uh, Lawrence tested positive. So there was almost no shot he was going to play in that game. I'm trying to find the odds in the group and so many damn texts and pictures. I woke up this morning. At some point, after being awake all night, I looked at my phone, and my buddy's texting me at 4.45 a.m. What'd he say? I mean, he's still looking for results of the election. I said, I don't care, I'm asleep care less about who's winning this thing. I mean, you text me at 445? Plus 1,150. Wow.